Welcome to the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influitive, where we talk with customer-obsessed people to uncover how you can be more customer-focused. I'm your host, Dan Kalmar. Today, I'm joined by Jay Washington. As a senior community manager for Headspace, Jay's goal is to cultivate and facilitate organic engagement. Her many years of experience offer a deeper access and better understanding of the wants and needs of community members. This presents the opportunity to strategically establish and successfully sustain goals that are easily quantified while fostering respected relationships between interested stakeholders. Jay is a huge advocate for community programs and their value within an organization. In our conversation today, we talked about that value part. Jay believes that, especially in the early days, we get too hung up on trying to prove the ROI of our community or advocacy programs. It's not that Jay believes these programs can't generate ROI or that we shouldn't look at any metrics, but she believes we all need to think more long-term and look at the value generated that might not initially show up on a balance sheet. Jay, thanks so much for being on the All About the Customer podcast. Excited to have you here. I am so, so excited to be here. Thank you so much, Dan, for inviting me. So we're going to talk about metrics, specifically in the community and advocacy programs. But let's start here. Why do you think people are so obsessed with metrics when it comes to our programs that we're trying to build? Because humans are about certainty. They like certainty. And in many ways, metrics are a perceived path to certainty. It's this idea that if you require it, they will come things will come. And I think it's the opposite. I know we'll talk a little bit about that more in detail later, but I think so many times an organization wants to lead with this perceived certainty. And again, metrics are that path to that. Like the world in general, nothing is certain, but life and death. You know what I mean? I think we need to shift our focus on metrics from the beginning of our conversations around community and community building and advocacy to understanding really it's the natural byproduct of planning and action. So do you think it actually does create certainty or it just makes us feel like we have some certainty? Definitely perceived. (laughs) Definitely perceived because again, So much changes from the planning to the execution that you can't start at the beginning with this achieved goal without doing the work and recognizing that so much can happen in the middle. Why do you think that is the wrong thing to focus on these numbers? I don't think it's wrong to focus on numbers. I think it's wrong to focus solely on numbers. It's really important to have strategy and planning and goals are really nice. But in life, so many things shift that you have to be able to move and be flexible with those goals. If you've already created this number, there doesn't leave a lot of room for the flexibility of said number. And you say it, but you've already given the pressure, you've already applied the pressure to your team or to your organization that this is the expectation. If your primary focus is outcomes, which is really the future, you can't learn from and live in the process or the present with mindfulness. I work for Headspace. The core focus of mindfulness is being present. So focus on the present, which is creating fertile ground to achieve those metrics or those goals. Where do the metrics come in? It's not that they don't matter at all. Where is the balance? Like at what stages? Is it something that you need to wait for for a while? Like at what point do you feel like metrics start becoming relevant? I think everything is a process. When you're building a bridge, 
You don't focus primarily on how many people are going to cross that bridge. You think about the initial planning. You have to talk to city government. You have to talk to an architect and an engineer, and you have to get the raw materials needed to build that bridge. You have to look at the community and see what kind of individuals may access the bridge and what sort of resources and accessibility may be needed. There's all this stuff, and then you have to actually start building. And in the background, there is this idea of how many people will use this bridge? Who's going to use this bridge? You know, what color will we paint the bridge? All those things. So it's like in tandem versus putting it at the forefront. Of course, you need to think about it. Of course, it's important. There's processes or steps needed to lead up to those natural byproducts or the outcomes of this project or initiative. But I don't think it should be your first conversation. So what should that first conversation be? What are those early stages of talking about an advocacy or community program look like? I think it's research. I think it's building the right team. It's cross-functional collaboration. It's buy-in. It's leadership buy-in specifically. I think the biggest things that we forget, especially in community management, as it evolves, as we're recognizing, and it's long been said by seasoned community managers that, you know, autonomy and support are really important. You hire these subject matter experts to create this experience or added value for your organization. And then oftentimes you tie their hands behind their back because you don't have the necessary resources and whether that's engineering to create a cohesive experience within your product or environment, If it's resources like having things like swag available, if you're having rewards or thank you gifts, it's having that buy-in from cross-functional teams because community is a team sport. You need the buy-in of like support and customer success, engineering, marketing, working on those things first creates the fertile ground needed to get the harvest of metrics and ROI. So when you're planting a garden, you don't stand there every day without focusing on the soil and the rain or watering and the sun location, and then be like, where's the plants? Like I've been standing here all week, where's the plants? No, no, sir, no, no, ma'am. You will need to do the work. Words without deeds, words without actions are fruitless. So it really is about the planning and in tandem, creating that safe and fruitful space. And to keep your plant analogy going, I think sometimes, uh, you know, we wait a long time and nothing really happens. And then all of a sudden it hits you. I'm growing these hot pepper plants and it's been like a month and a half and I'm like, I've got nothing. And now they're just all starting to come in and I'm trying to figure out what to do with all these peppers. I think probably the same thing can kind of happen in a community advocacy program, right? Is like a lot of times you're not going to get those referrals, references, case studies, whatever you're trying to get out of it right away. But then once you have that good soil and you've been watering it, a lot of times that stuff can come in really, really hot and fast. Yeah. And also faith. Can we have a little faith in the people we hire and in our product and in the ability to create this safe space that will bubble up all the beautiful things that we hope to achieve? And this is a bi-directional investment. So it's also being intentional about the partnerships that you create. Our customers are our partners in this. And so accountability, responsibility, active listening, you know, clear process, All those things are important to create a safe space where faith can create those actions. And so if we're not focusing as much on these hard numbers, once you launch a community, what are you looking for in those early days to know that you're on the right track? 
safe space is really important. I've been doing community work for a really long time and both in person and virtually. A core need of community is a space. Now it's virtual, but it has to be a safe space. So building those relationships with your community members, with your partners, with your customers. So allowing them to understand that reciprocity isn't this requirement for our engagement. I don't require you to give me something. What it is, is again, that natural byproduct of me giving you something, safe space, resources, information, autonomy, the place to be a true partner where we ideate and feedback, constructive feedback. I don't just need the warm and fuzzies. I need the real. I need you to tell me what I'm not doing right. So as we build and evolve our product, build a better experience and product, you feel like you have buy-in. And so creating all that on the forefront will create a space where people want to give you information. They understand that if you make them clear that they're the thought leaders in this space, they'll want to be able to provide for you the honesty and the ideation needed to build and grow together. And that's how sustainable partnerships are created. And so if you're not measuring, and maybe this is just like the wrong way to think about it, but if you don't have these things that you can measure, how do you know that you've created this good foundation, these like safe spaces and you're creating value for your advocates in the early days? Like, what are you looking for to know that you're on the right track with, with those things you just talked about? There are measurements that you take, increased enrollment, engagement, you know what I mean? Activity within the community, you know, all those things are immediate. And, you know, it's like throwing spaghetti against the wall. This is about building something, trying things, observing how those things impact the community, going back, talking about it, modifying, shifting, being flexible, going back in. This is a continuous journey. This is like a babbling brook, depending on the weather or the conditions. Sometimes it runs a little slow because it dries up. In the wintertime, there's a little more water or input, so it gets a little faster. Like This is a very organic and oftentimes slow but steady process. So if you're looking for a big boom, you know, this is probably not the work for you. Not that it never happens that way, but it's rare that you hit the ground running and you hit capacity, you know, three months in and everything's going wonderfully. That's not really real life. Think about business. How long does it take an entrepreneur to go from conception to reality? And then even at reality, how long does it take for them to get to a groove where they feel like they're achieving those goals set? Most people say three to five years. So let's be clear. Community work is very similar to that. I think that's probably reassuring a little bit for the people who are like numbers people is that it's not that you can't measure anything. There are, it sounds like there are metrics that you can look at. It's just don't expect the huge ROI numbers right away. Like, is that a fair assessment of what to focus on? Fair, accurate, and I dare say very important to consider when building out. I was doing a talk recently and I talk about this whole community building and ROI journey being a process and that's process spelled with two C's. So first it starts with purpose, second is resources, third is objectives, fourth is communication, and then that second C is clarity. So communication, but then clarity. And then environment, support, and sustainability, two S's, because those S's are important. Looking at all of that is really important. And in those spaces, always there are numbers and things to measure. But again, so much is focused on outcome measures 
that we miss those important measures throughout the journey. So how do you think about those numbers that you should be looking at in the early days? Like, I'm sure it probably varies by company, but when do you focus on the number of people in there? When do you focus on engagement? How do you try to figure out what are those tangible things you can measure early on and how to decide what those goalposts should be? You know, it's like building a house, creating that infrastructure. You first focus on that, creating this safe space. And then you start looking towards your champions. You already have within your organizations people who are passionate about your product. So then you start creating those dialogues with those champions and getting that small but mighty team of advocates that will eventually create that environment that new lurkers, and lurkers are valuable. They're smart. They're looking to see what's going on before they make that commitment. It's like dating. You swipe and you read and you kind of correspond in DMs and then you decide if you want to jump into a full-fledged meetup and conversation. So you start with this sort of gradual progression, building the safe space, inviting in those champions and advocates, creating that conversation and dialogue, which is the template for those lurkers to then identify with and follow. And then you start slowly getting people investing in that conversation because they find it valuable. The cross-functional participation from team members create this robust conversation that creates bi-directional engagement that again will slowly increase the engagement, enrollment, and ultimately the outcomes needed. So you're focusing on the foundation in those early days. Once you feel like you have that kind of there, you've got some activity, you feel like you've created this safe space, like what's the next thing you're looking for to build on top of that before you get into starting to generate these things that people would typically look as ROI? Well, then you see the needs. Your members will start telling you what they need. And then you start building upon those needs, whether that's incorporating resources, live events and meetups, conversations with your internal teams. It's like using the house analogy. Once you have your house, you can start adding a deck or a pool because you now see how this house will be leveraged and used. Is it a rental property? Is it your primary home? What are the needs of those individuals who live in the house? And if you have not already created and built around those needs in the initial foundation phase of this relationship, then you can expand on those needs based on the input provided by those invested stakeholders. My wife and I moved into this house about a year ago. And that's one thing I've had to like tell myself is you don't have to do everything at once either, right? Like you can kind of get settled. You can slowly do stuff. You don't have to just renovate your entire house the second you move in, unless maybe the house was just terrible and a complete gut job or something like that. Maybe that was your plan going into it, but you can really just kind of like focus on one thing at a time, make sure it's good and then move on to the next thing. I think is kind of reassuring. And, and buy-in is so important. Leadership having the permission often needed from a leadership or executive level to be intentional, be slow but steady. So not be so quick to push people towards those outcomes. Let us take the time to be intentional, form those relationships that will create the sustainability needed to create this long-term rollout, long-term planning and success story. It's just important. And I think if we look at business and this community space and advocacy space and this customer relationship space, like we look at any other relationship, then we see the value in being slow and intentional. You know, sure, there are some relationships where you meet each other and you're married in three months. Those are rare. 
more likely you're in the relationships where you're in the get to know you phase. And I say, you can't really commit to any relationship until you have your first disagreement. Until you have that first hard look at what's working and more importantly about what's not working, you can't really plan for the future. Can't plan the wedding before you do the work. Patience. It sounds like all of us in the customer marketing space need more patience. Building a well-rounded customer community is an investment. And when making a big investment, we want to see a big return. And that's fine if you have a realistic expectation as to when that return happens. Jay makes a great analogy to relationships and the time it takes to build meaningful ones. And that analogy is so apt because that's what we're building with these advocacy and community programs. Relationships at scale. It takes time to put these foundations in place, but if we have the patience to see that through, the rewards will be plentiful. I want to dive into that leadership side of things. You mentioned we need to kind of give people the space to do these things gradually and and think long terms about these things. I would imagine as a community manager, you get to see these soft things that are harder to measure to know you're on the right track. But how do you then explain that to your boss, the people who hold the budget on this stuff? Like, how do you describe to them without these ROI numbers or maybe you are using some metrics that just aren't firm ROI? But how are you explaining to the higher ups those early days when it's not a lot of easy things to quantify? storytelling is so much a part of community and community management and creating those relationships. So in the early days, testimonies are really important. There is often actions that we require of our community, whether it's reviews or references and referrals, testimonies, sort of feedback on how well we're doing and what's working and what's not. I take that information to leadership. It's less about quantity and more about quality of those conversations and what I'm bringing back to my leadership. I have seen their eyes light up at some of the testimony provided from the community members. And again, it's not hundreds of testimonies, sometimes it's 10, but those 10 testimonies can reach an audience of a thousand because it's genuine, it's real, it's honest. And so leveraging the storytelling piece, marketing is really good at that, but you can also do that internally with product support and customer success. And they can also provide that feedback to you. And in tandem, using that feedback that they provide to build a better community, to build a better relationship. And so again, it's not that measurement isn't important, it's what we're measuring and when we're measuring it that really becomes the important questions. So somebody's listening and they don't have an advocacy or community program. They're looking to get one stood up at their company, but they have a boss who's very numbers focused, who wants to see like, Hey, this is going to cost us a hundred thousand dollars or whatever the number is. And we're going to get five X from it. Like how should they approach their boss? Who's very numbers focused to try to make them understand the long-term vision and understand maybe there will be an ROI, but it's not going to be upfront. Yeah, I think it's very much for a left brain individual using an analogy like an engineering team. When you build a product, there's a lot of testing. There's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of going in, trying something and then seeing if it works. It's very similar to community. And again, there are measurements, there's numbers, there's things that we can look at along the way that we will be able to determine if this is a viable channel and medium. But let's not focus on the destination, 
before we really get intentional around the journey. It's about the walk. It's about what tools we have, what resources we have in our offering that will ultimately deliver the destination that we hope to achieve. And I think most business individuals understand that. Business professionals understand that because that is so much a part of the journey of business. There are short-term and long-term goals. And you can't solely focus on the long-term. You have to spend some quality time in the immediate and short-term space. And there are specific measurements and asks and needs that are unique to those space, immediate, short-term, and long-term. Don't bypass the immediate and short-term in an effort to achieve the goals in the long-term. So what stage do you think you can start focusing on some of these more ROI numbers in your community? Like how mature do you have to be? Like what are the things that you're looking for before you can start trying to drive, we'll say value out of it with air quotes around it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of community management group circles and support groups, and they say anywhere from 12 to 18 months to, you know, three years, it may take depending on the community, depending on the business, depending on the investment, depending on the external climate. I mean, think about how COVID impacted so much of what we do as a business or in business. There's all these variables. And I think you'll be able to gain a clearer pathway to those measurements as you do the work, like as you start building the safe space, as you start engaging with your advocates and champions, as you start seeing how cross-functional participation impacts these conversations and this process, then you can use the flexibility to shift those measurements and goals to be more realistic. And you can challenge yourself a little bit. I'm not saying like not have any long-term goals, but you have to understand that so much can happen in between the beginning and the end that you have to be flexible in that way. What ultimately are those ROI numbers that we can look at with community once it's it's really established, once we've got this great foundation? Like what, what are those kind of key metrics that people can eventually look for? Retention, adoption, upselling, all those business goals when you think about being a world-class experience or destination, community can impact that through testimony. You can think about increased product buy-in, brand loyalty, so many things that businesses are looking to achieve that can be impacted by that ROI. As Jay's giving examples of the types of ROI we can see in these programs, notice that she's talking about so many different parts of the business. She's talking about CS when she says retention. She mentions product. Over her years in the space, Jay's seen how these community programs can drive value across your entire company. So when she says that the benefits are worth waiting for, that's what she's talking about. And those immediate community management and advocacy ROIs feed into, not are solely responsible, but in, feed into an organization's overall goals. And again, because community impacts so many avenues of a business, we impact marketing, we impact support, we impact product. Because we touch upon all those, we can feed into all those channels that ultimately lead to the ocean of a business and their goals. And so do you just continue to develop and refine this community and then look at these metrics along the way? Or is there a time when you say like, hey, retention is a problem with our company. We need 
our community to focus on retention and then you start tailoring your community towards that? Like which of these two approaches is what you've seen work best? The end of the year, as you start rolling out roadmaps for the following year, those are the times to sort of really be intentional. So you have all of this information. You can then take that information and apply it to then start that planning process all over again, immediate, short term and long term. So you're feeding into the process. It's to me, not one or the other. It's not either or it's and. We live in a world of abundance. We don't have to have either or, it's and. And so you work again in tandem to feed into both, both of them are valuable and therefore important to the other. You keep coming back to this idea that it's not that metrics don't matter, right? Like there, there are things that you can keep measuring. How do you decide between the, the hard numbers and the soft numbers? Like when, do you have a kind of a framework for when to like override one where it's like, hey, Maybe the engagement isn't there, but I see this other stuff that means we should keep going. Like, how, how do you think about the, the soft versus hard number debate? That usually has more of a focus in the beginning, that beginning stage. And so it is looking about not quantity, but quality. Qualified leads are just as valuable as those confirmed sales because they feed into those confirmed sales. And so in the beginning, as you start planning and as you have to shift and modify, those soft wins are really important. And again, they give you the faith needed that those harder wins will come about. Again, talking with individuals within the organization as well as customers will really give you the mindset, the momentum and the fuel needed to, to move towards those harder numbers. What haven't we talked about around this topic that you think is really interesting and something that folks at home need to learn about? We've talked about a lot, but I really want people to understand that this is all about relationship building. And this podcast has had many experts talk about that piece about relationship building. It is a two-way street. Obviously, we know that our customers provide us with valuable information and things like brand loyalty, but like us owning our piece of this Reciprocity is not the requirement of someone giving us something because we create something. It is the natural byproduct of us being invested and intentional and committed to this relationship, not always being the one to ask. In business, we are constantly asking for things. It's honest and it's a part of the process. But we also need to really flex that active listening arm, that ability to be honest and transparent as much as we can be from a business standpoint. You can't give away all your secrets, so it's not about oversharing, but it is about being honest in this relationship about what roles we play and being clear of those roles with our customers so that they can be intentional about choosing to show up. So just be very mindful of relationship and how it may take that first disagreement before you really understand if this partnership is a viable one long term. When we're recording this, there's a lot of concern about the direction the economy is headed in and things like that. And, you know, a lot of times marketing budgets, you know, community advocacy budgets can, can fall under that or, or what get cut. Like, how do you think about justifying something like this that isn't necessarily going to show those like early term ROI numbers. Like, how do you think about the role that a community and advocacy program can play during these difficult 
economic times that might be down the road for us. We talked previously about how it impacts all areas of business. You want that hub. It is an easy connector between all avenues of the business, and it impacts those. In hard times, maybe you should focus less on quantity and more on quality because you need that quality experience. Those diehard customers and fans are often what carries a business during hard times. Again, there are various types of relationships. You have acquaintances, you have colleagues and coworkers, you have family, and then you have that friend group that sort of touches all of that. You know, you could have a friend that is also a family member, a colleague, and, an you know, so it's thinking that community is the hub and you want to make sure that you have that grounded space that you can trust will assist in all areas of business without compromising the integrity of the space. So for the folks who are listening at home who are number obsessed people and and want these ROI numbers, what advice would you have for them around how to break that mentality and think a little bit more long term about this and know that you're hopefully building towards something? Yeah, well, it's adding versus subtracting. Building numbers will always be a part, but focus on specific numbers again. Focus on those immediate outcomes. What do we hope? We hope to create a solid foundation for our customers to have in which to be able to provide for us the resources, information that we need. What are the numbers needed to measure that? The internal commitment. Do we have buy-in? That's measurable. Do we have a space? That's measurable and then move towards the invitation. Who are we inviting in, those champions? And again, quality versus quantity. So look at those measurements. What are we doing to invite them in? Do you still have your numbers? You do, but we're being intentional about what numbers we're focusing on in an effort to achieve those future numbers. And with those future numbers, those ROI numbers, how difficult of a time have you had trying to quantify those things. Do you find it tough to like put a dollar value on certain acts or have you found it to be like pretty straightforward with trying to, once you, once you do have to prove the ROI of this, have you found that to be a fairly easy task? Yes. I think because you find software, we use a third party vendor to host our community and a part of the appeal of using this vendor is their reporting capabilities. So in real time, they're harvesting a lot of the ROI information needed that I then can print into a report and send back pretty regularly, immediate, short-term and long-term to satisfy the requirements of the organization. And so it's, again, being intentional about building this community. Do you have mechanisms in place that will provide you the information needed in real time and will feed into those short-term and long-term goals? Setting yourself up for success is really important really, really important. And again, using things like software and and champions internally and leadership buy-in will all contribute to that long-term success. So Jay, what's one thing that our listeners can do today, tomorrow, to get them one step in the right direction to being more customer obsessed? Invest in community. (laughs) I think it's really important. I think the B2B space has been testing out the idea of community for decades. I mean, you look at those forefathers of communities, the Googles, the Reddits, the Facebooks, and really understanding how the value of community can really impact 
the ROI of an organization. And I think if you're really interested in being in this new wave of business, there's this humanization of business that is happening presently. And if you want to be on that wave, you need to invest in community. And if you have community, continue to be intentional about investing. Autonomy and support is not exclusive. You have to have both to be successful. So arming your community team, even if it's a team of one, with the resources needed to be successful. But community is the future of business. It sounds like going to back to what we just talked about, like I think now more than ever is probably like with the current economic climate, now more than ever, I think you believe is, is the time to invest in community. Very much so. Very much so. Awesome. Jay, well, this was great. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm appreciative. Probably my favorite insight from Jay in our entire talk was, it's not that measurement isn't important. It's what we measure and when we measure that matters. When we make big investments like an advocacy or community program, we want to see a big return. I feel like I've said that like 50 times. But we need to understand that this is a long-term process. Author James Clear in his newsletter talked about this. He said, whether or not something is deemed a failure is dependent on when performance is measured. I signed the book deal for Atomic Habits in November 2015, and it was published in October 2018. If you were to measure the performance of the book at any point during those three years, the project would have been deemed a failure. In January 2016, it was incomplete, a failure. In August 2017, still unfinished, a failure. February 2018, again, a failure. But after October 2018, it looked like a success. Same project, different time when the outcome was measured. This idea applies in many areas of life. You're not failing, you're just in the middle of succeeding. Jay's given us great insights into the types of things we need to focus on in the near term to get that long-term success. It's not that we'll never get those ROI numbers, but maybe we need to focus on other metrics in the beginning to get those future dividends. Jay thinks that community is the future of business, but it sounds like she also thinks the future is now. This has been the All About the Customer podcast brought to you by Influtive. I've been your host, Dan Kalmar. Till next time, maybe let's all be a little bit more patient. Maybe use Headspace or something.